Well, welcome. Thanks for um, tuning in. My name's Andy Robinson and I'm here with Ginny Bergen. And Ginny and I are both part of the apostolic team uh, of Christ Central. And one of the things we get to do is to chat around all sorts of different things and and uh, have fun bouncing ideas and things around. And one of the things that comes up from time to time and probably often, I guess, in the COVID crisis has been the kind of proliferation on the internet of prophetic words and specifically dreams, you know, ranging from the encouraging to predicting doom and gloom and the end of time and all stops in between. And one of the questions that we've been asking is how do we kind of interpret our dreams? How do we discern between um, what God is saying? How do I tell if my dream is a result of my brain trying to process my day, the cheese I ate the night before, or is it the Holy Spirit speaking to me in kind of pictures and images as I I sleep? And um, Ginny was asked particularly about uh, a particular video which we looked at and was really really helpful and so we thought it'd be great if we could um, sort of just take some principles from that we're not gonna look at talking about a specific uh, person or a specific video but it would be really helpful just to see if we can gain some pictures so welcome Ginny it's great to uh, to have this opportunity to chat um, I guess one of the a good place to start before we kind of get into the detail of it is, you know, it's important how we kind of operate. And uh, I guess we need to be careful about what we comment on um, uh, about things brought by others um, that we're not maybe in relationship with, um, particularly on the internet. What are your kind of thoughts and views on that? Yeah, well, I try to not comment on anything prophetic word dream or anything that I mean if you've not been especially with prophecy if you've not been there you've not been caught up in the moment you can't discern a lot of things you know like the spirit witnesses and um, with dreams as well you cannot discern from where someone else is coming from you don't know whether you can actually actively say categorically that is wrong until you find at some later point it's not come to pass so I think I steer well clear of commenting on anything anyone else has said or brought. You can be encouraged by something and think, yeah, that's encouraging. And mm. you can also be uh, the opposite of that, <laughs> some negativity. And then you can think, well, I'm not going to carry that. Mm. Other than that. I just try and refrain from commenting on any of these things. Yeah, I, I think that's outside my own environment. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's that's really wise. I mentioned earlier a little bit tongue in cheek. I know um, about how my, my day impacted my 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 dreams, or or even the cheese I ate. Um, is there any is there any truth in that? Yeah, yeah. Well, we all have dreams. People tell me that, oh, I never dream, and that's not true. They just don't remember their dreams because we all dream. It's part of the body's way of uh, untangling the stuff we're trying to process in our brain and our emotions throughout the day. Um, but things affect that. So, I mean, there's a lot of common medicines that affect our, our brain and cause us to have sometimes maybe bizarre dreams. So a lot of painkillers, blood pressure tablets, antidepressant tablets, and a, quite a list actually can actually cause us to have more more dreams than normal and more maybe bizarre dreams than normal. So, I mean, if, if currently you're on a, 
uh, maybe a powerful painkiller because you're in some degree of pain and you have some bizarre dream, well, I tend to just go, okay, uh, you know, maybe it's time I'm coming off these things. You know, I, I kind of say, just put that down to the effects of that drug, which is helping me. And, and similarly, if we're ill, generally ill, we can find... Um, so there's a lot of different things that can affect us and cause us to have dreams. And like you say, I know you jokingly said the cheese we had last night. But yeah, I mean, if we've overeaten, if we've drunk too much, that can affect us and we can end up having uh, dreams. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they have any kind of spiritual meaning. Mm. But there is, a, there is a level of dreams. If I first of all say, yes, God can speak to us through dreams. And if I, for a minute, call those spiritual dreams as a way of okay. differentiating and leave them on one side, there's a third category of dreams that I talk about that, for want of a better title, I call psychological dreams. And you can still find that God can use these, but it's usually more to help you, help you as a person individually. So, for instance, you could have been... Uh, in quite a stressful position, maybe you've got a job and you, you, you're kind of sensing there's going to be a lot of changes, you're picking this up and that up, there's a lot of uncertainty around you, and then perhaps you have a dream, and in this dream um, a lot of things happen about your future, and you wake up and you think, oh, was that God speaking to me? Well, it could be that all your... Um, all your kind of anxieties about what's happening at work and all your um, thoughts about what might be going to happen and how you might have to contend with it, they're just coming to the fore in your dreams. So it's about listening to that and, and thinking, well, God, what is it I need to deal with here? So I can give you an example about that. Some years ago, someone I'm quite close to had a bit of a time um, not being where they ought to be with God, and I tried to help them. I tried um, my normal soft tactic of saying a few things here and there, and that didn't work. And I tried counselling them, and that didn't work. Uh, I even lost my temper at times. That didn't work. Nothing was working. And then I had this dream. And in the dream, I was driving a car, which is quite funny because I, I don't actually drive. But I was trying to get the car out of that starting position. You know, when you put it in gear to start and then you go up the gear to actually drive off. And as I was going up the gear, the car would not move on. And I got my foot on the accelerator pedal and I'm ramming the gear stick. And in the dream, I could feel the frustration of trying to get this car going. And then uh, I just woke up. And my foot was hurting because I'd been literally, in reality, pressing my foot against the end of the bed, thinking I'm pressing the pedal down. And my foot was in pain, and I just said to God, well, what's that all about? And then I just found him revealed to me in an instant how I'd been trying and trying and trying to change this situation with this person. And he just said to me, well, if you won't let go of the control, how can I get in there? And I just had to repent of trying to control this situation. Yeah. 
and say, oh God, I'm just going to stand off this and let you do whatever. Obviously, I'll keep praying, but it's down to you. And, you know, within two weeks, God changed, miraculously changed that whole situation. Brilliant. And for months, I'd been trying and trying. But that's what I mean. It was like my dream was showing me the degree of frustration I was feeling and the degree of control I'd been moving in, in trying to change that situation. So I wouldn't call it a spiritual dream in the sense that this was a message from God. I'd say it was like a psychological dream. But within that, in my being able to say, well, what was that all about, God? He showed me mm. what That's had really been going And I think if I can just say at that level, talking about those kinds of dreams, that's where often we're open to the enemy. Because, you know, some people say, oh, the enemy sent me a dream. But, you know, I've looked through the Bible. And um, if you're walking with God, you know, your relationship with him is good. I do not believe that at a time when you're asleep and therefore you cannot have any control over what you give yourself to, I don't believe that the Lord would let the enemy come and speak to us. Yeah. He's watching over us. It says, you know, he never slumbers or sleeps and he's watching over us when we slumber and when we sleep. Mm. But what I think happens is we have these psychological dreams and we wake up all frustrated or all afraid or whatever. And instead of instantly giving this to God and asking him what's going on and praying for him to lift the fear and stuff, we actually give ourselves to the fear and we let that take over. And then we start thinking, well, the enemy's doing this and the enemy's doing that. But actually what we're supposed to get hold of is something's being processed of where we are at in life and we can get a handle on something here yeah some self-awareness revelation here does that make sense it's so helpful Ginny. i mean re- really helpful and i think it, it, it just that distinction between the one type of dream, the psychological dream, but what we what we give ourselves to afterwards, whether you know, I think I think that's really helpful. I guess some of the challenges, isn't it, is is that you know dreams are so kind of pictorial or or symbolic. I think about you know Joseph's dream of the sheaves of corn, and then Pharaoh's dream of the cows, and then the baker and the butler, um, even Nebuchadnezzar. They're very kind of yeah. pictorial rather than literal, aren't they? Yeah. Is that is that usual? Is that? Yeah, I, I would say I would say you have to treat dreams like parables. Um, that you know there might be one distinct message in them, but not everything about it. Not like every little jot and tittle is necessarily something to be analysed. Um, so whether it's a psychological dream that we can gain some insight from, or whether it is what we might call a spiritual dream, God speaking to us. They're very, very few of them are literal. And even if they're literal in their outworking, and I've had quite a number of those over time, there's still aspects to it where not every little piece is necessarily correct. Yeah. So I, I can detail one that I was thinking of the other day, which was, I, I I know a couple in the church who, when they were both single, they 
become engaged, they were going to have a long engagement, they were going to get married the following year sometime. Um, but at this particular point in the summer, uh, beginning of July time, I was traveling along and I was just mentioning to our church leader at the time, I had a dream about this couple last night. And, um, and I said, the dream was very bizarre. It was like, we know their wedding date, but it was like we didn't know. It was like we weren't prepared. It was like it suddenly came upon us. And you had to suddenly fit in their wedding date into your diary. And different ones amongst us in the church had to suddenly do different things to put on a reception. And I was doing a, a bouquet. And you see that, just if I can pause button there, that is um, relative to the fact that Previous to working with the church, I had a florist shop, so I did do that. So, right. you know, it reflected me it being a part of this dream doing her bouquet. And then my husband, who drives for a living, he was using his nice car for the wedding car. And all these things were happening. And different people were doing different things in the dream. Anyway, it did turn out to be a very literal dream in that something occurred whereby this couple were called out to serve in another nation. But in order to do that, they had to be married and they needed to go. I think it was September time. So, in fact, what happened is the wedding suddenly got pulled right forward and nobody had been expecting that. So, in fact, we did have to run around organising a reception and so on. And I did make a flower bouquet and my husband did drive the wedding car. Although not everyone who'd done this and that and the other in the dream did the things that I dreamed. Now, why would that be? I think because I think because I may have put my interpretation on the kindest things they might do. Right, yep. Serve at that wedding. Like myself, of course I knew I could make a bouquet. And I knew that my husband could drive a car. But I would have probably, in the dream, associated a person with doing something that maybe couldn't or didn't want to do that. Yeah. But the, the overall thrust of the dream was literal and was a preparation for us because, in part, we were ready for it when it came. That's, I mean, that, I mean, amazing, but it's, it's a really helpful kind of insight into kind of how that works. I mean, it's always interesting, isn't it? I mean, you think of someone like Joseph who interpreted Pharaoh's dream, but he, he, he had trouble interpreting his own dream, really. Um, uh, and, and that was quite interesting. And I think sometimes when I've seen stuff on the internet, you know, as you're watching or listening to someone explaining their dream you think like this is a really godly person they seem really sincere you know the what they're explaining god you know revealing in the dream seems all great and and you feel great and you think okay yeah this this feels good and then you get to the interpretation and then bombs you know you you come away thinking man alive i feel i feel my peace has gone probably the best way i feel a bit fearful kind of as a result um what what do you say kind of going on there is that well, I think that you've, you've hit it with the word interpretation. I mean, like I say, we all have dreams and some of them can be psychological and some of them can be have this message from God in. But don't forget, even when God speaks to us, uh, it's not like the Old Testament now. We, we're not dreaming God's inerrant word, are we? We're not dreaming no. 
that that's going to be part of um, so in the same way that we would talk about prophecy there's elements of us in that dream even if it's a God message hmm. so we have to weigh what we've what we've had because you can t- take a dream any, any way you, you like and people frequently say to me for instance well and they, they as well maybe godly people uh, who pray a lot but don't forget that doesn't make the dream authentic um, don't forget non-christians dream That's really helpful, really helpful, Judy. I, just on um, on. I lost your sound there for a minute, so I'll just carry on. No, do carry on. Yeah, so non-Christians dream. So in Genesis, for instance, you've got King Abimelech, who Abraham and Sarah come to, and Abraham had said, this is my sister, and he was kind of looking on Sarah as a potential wife. And then God comes to him, and he says... Um, and I find it interesting. He tells him the fact that Sarah is Abraham's wife and not his sister, not just his sister. Yeah. He reveals the facts to Abimelech, but then Abimelech, and it's all in a dream. Abimelech then pleads his course of, you know, he, he pleads his case that, well, I didn't know that to God and asks God what to do. And God yeah. tells him what to do, all in the dream. Um, and then, you know, non-Christians can dream. So it's nothing to do with the authenticity of the person. Right. So we must, I mean, obviously that helps a little bit if someone's had dreams that have proved helpful and wise and correct for a long while. It helps a bit. But I think we should try and be a little bit stood back from that and look at how this is interpreted and how it's applied. So many people will say to me, godly people pray a lot, well, I dreamed that uh, my daughter died or something like this. So she was on a swing and, and she died or something like that. Well, you know, I don't believe God brings us into fear. Mm. When God gives us dreams and he can give us warning dreams, they're about uh, people's good people being brought into hope, people being brought into freedom. So our interpretation, we need to pray about it. And so I can instance one that comes to mind some years ago. I have a friend and I will go around in normal times anyway and chit-chat in her front room with her about all manner of things. And we often, if in the winter, she'll put her gas fire on and we'll sit there nice and cosy and I don't want to go home into the cold you know yeah um, and I had a dream that we were chit-chatting like this in front of uh, Sarah's gas fire and then I dreamed that the events after I'd left was that she fell asleep and she died and it was so vivid this dream and I woke up in the early hours with this so vivid and then I had to pray that God would not, uh, sorry, that God would not allow fear to rule in my heart for my friend. And then I prayed and I said, Lord, well, what's that about? Surely you're not telling me that um, this friend is going to die. And the more I prayed about it, the more my focus shifted from my friend to the gas fire. 
And as I found my focus shifting to the gas fire, I felt God say to me, ask her when she had her gas fire service. So, um, anyway, I rang her up the following day and I said, oh, hello. I said, just as as a funny thing to ask, but when did you last have your gas fire service? And she said, well, that's a funny question out of nowhere. What makes you ask that? So I said, well, I just had a dream and I just felt that I should ask her. I didn't tell her what the dream was about. So she said, well, it it is probably a year or two. I'll check. Anyway, she got back to me. She said, oh, it was about five years ago. So she said, I'm going to get it checked. And when the guy came and he took it off the wall, he said, I am surprised you are still here. The flue at the back was full of soot and dirt. And oh, my goodness. That's amazing. The whole problem wasn't that Sarah was going to die. The whole thing was a warning. Yeah. The potential for something that could happen if her gas fire was not attended to. Incredible. So I said nothing about the dream to her other than I felt I should ask her that, which had yeah. the dream. It's wise. I didn't fill me with fear and I didn't fill her with fear. And I didn't know quite how to interpret it other than to ask that question. That's, I mean, that's, again, so helpful, Ginny. I think, I mean, the reality is, is that I guess we interpret all of this through kind of the lens of our own worldview, our political views and our fear quite often. Um, and so that's a really helpful kind of rule of thumb for us to kind of pray it through and the wisdom in, in not phoning up our friend going, ah, you know, I think that's, that's so, so helpful. And, and that whole sense of, I guess, a warning um, in, in that sense. I mean, this has been, I've found it, Personally, so helpful, Ginny, as, as I always do when we chat about stuff like this. And I'm sure many other people will have found it really helpful. Is there anything else you'd kind of add as we come into close on it? Yeah, I, I'd just like to just comment on that interpretation thing a little. Yeah. I often find that people will say, oh, I dreamed about the prime minister or I dreamed about our church leader or I dreamed about my father. And, and again, just to say that often... Um, people are representative of something as well so um, say dreaming about our father is representative sometimes of parental authority Mm -hmm. or dreaming say about the prime minister it could be about him but it could also be that it's representative of an authority that we're living under in the land you know Mm. so I think we have to be careful just because we've dreamed about X person, does it mean that person? Or right. does that person represent something? So I find that when I dream, there are various things that are sometimes represented by a certain person mm. or certain things. Yeah. You do find that there are books out there about what your dreams mean and all this. But I think it's a bit false to say, we can go to the point where, you know, a car means this and a bus means that and a this means that. Yeah. It's actually, and if you look at Joseph's dreams or other dreams like that in the Bible, it's actually what it means to you. There are some things that 
I think universally we would think of as being biblically symbolic, like say the number seven, or often for me the colour purple is talking about royalty and kingship. So if I have a dream and it's all about, and it's got purple all over in it, it's talking about some kind of kingly authority. Um, and I think that's a biblical representation. But I think a lot of things are what does that mean to me? Right. So, um, you know, if I, if I have been somewhere and unwittingly and maybe unconsciously I've picked up a misuse of authority in that place, I may dream, for instance, about my father who actually it was rather an abusive parental figure. It was an abusive relationship. And it's not because some old wound is reopening in me, it's because he represents an abusive use of parental authority. Right. And when I have that, after I've been somewhere when I felt uncomfortable, I realise I've been picking up abusive leadership in that context. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. So we have yeah. to be careful with this whole realm of interpretation, and we could go on for another half hour on that one, so I'd better <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it's a it's a huge topic, uh, uh, which sometimes means it gets avoided, and sometimes we don't talk about it. But I think I think this has been really really helpful, and I'm sure will help a lot of people um, just in that process. And who knows, maybe maybe we need to do some something more um, to um, to unpack this a little bit more. But thanks, Ginny, it's been so helpful, and um, hopefully it's been helpful to you as you've been watching so all that remains for us at this point is to say goodbye and uh, and god bless yeah okay thank you <laughs>